what's up today on the Break It Down for Brackens podcast. We have Josh Beal. Josh is the owner of the Beal team with Atoka Properties. Josh, welcome to the podcast. Good to be here. Thanks, man. So we're going to talk about a topic, real estate and being a broker. But before we jump into that, let's talk about your background. Tell me about family, where you went to school. Sure. You, you know, lay it on me. So I uh, grew up in Fairfax and um, I kind of took a non-traditional route to get my college degree. I, um, I ultimately wound up with a business degree, started actually down an engineering path, but was working at a little web startup and um, found like I was uh, found I was learning more on the job and the computer science kind of field than I was in school. And I actually switched to the business degree because I felt like I would uh, maybe learn some things I wasn't picking up on the job. So my um, my degrees from Thomas Edison, which is a little school in um, New Jersey, uh, business degree, um, moved out here. In 2005, it's pretty expensive to live in Fairfax, and that brought us out here. Right, haven't been, haven't uh, haven't looked back. We really kind of grounded and, and enjoy being here. Uh, I'm, I'm from Arlington, so I understand the yeah the yeah. Fairfax the growth and the expenses yeah. out of control compared to being yeah one mountain away. Yeah, yeah, we're really not that far away. Um, and um, my career started out in IT. Uh, computer science background that I had been pursuing is, is where I went professionally, transitioned into a project management role. Um, and in um, 2015, 2016, 2017, was starting to get into real estate investing. Um, I did a handful of things. I've always been kind of an experimenter. Do you, mean like, do you mean like flipping homes or, so, or rentals? Uh, rentals. Um, also, I did some land flips, which is just looking for land that I felt like was undervalued and figure out, is there a way that I can market it better or do something nominal to improve it? That's cool. Um, so it's kind of like flipping houses, only flipping houses is very competitive. There's not a lot of people that are looking at land opportunities. Um, now, the upside isn't as great, which is why there's not as many people sure. looking at it. So, But I, would, I was just experimenting with different things, kind of settled on rentals and uh, felt like you know what? It would be a good thing for me to do if I'm going to be in and out of all these houses uh, to get my own real estate license, to become a real estate salesperson. I can sell my own places. It's easier to get in uh, as far as scheduling and so forth. Did not at that point anticipate that I would be making any kind of a career shift. This was just going to be a side hustle. Maybe I would help a few friends here and there. I would be getting into properties that I might want to buy as a rental. That um, seems like a natural path, yeah. Yeah. So... Um, after so I got my license and then about a year into that I had helped I don't know five between five and seven I think that first year all people that I knew personally just say hey Josh could you help me with this sure um, and what I realized was I actually really enjoyed the whole process of working with people and thinking through either buying or selling a home um, the negotiation aspect of it and and I felt like this is actually something that I could become good at if I really disciplined myself and worked at it, and I could I could actually transition to this as another career that I would enjoy more. And um, one of the other things that attracted me about it was the potential for it to um, kind of be in control, potential for me to be in control of my own destiny more. I was working a W two job at the time, and um, it really didn't matter how hard I worked 
you know, there might have been a bonus or something like that, but it wasn't like I could think a new way, think of a new way to do my job that would just uh, open up all sorts of new income possibilities. It was just, well, this is this is what you do. That's how much you make? Yeah, this is how much you make, and you work these hours, and um, and we were comfortable, but I really liked the idea of transitioning into something where if I could figure out a way to do it better and to serve my customers better, um, there is reward for that. That's now, of course, entrepreneur fire yeah, right there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, of course, there's risk associated with that sure. because somebody can come in and eat your lunch. Uh, and, uh, or if you're not on top of your game, you know, mistakes, um, yeah, mistakes happen and, and there's nobody to blame, but you totally. when, you're, when you're running your own business, even if it's kind of a micro gotta business. be a bit of a gambler. Mm-hmm. That's more I've been reflecting on that recently is yeah. every day is a gamble. Like you're, you're just gambling a little here, gambling a yeah. little there. And then sometimes a bigger gamble, but yeah. sometimes it pays off and sometimes it doesn't as much. And, it's risk and hedging and yeah, yeah to yeah, be an entrepreneur, yeah. you got to be, it's, it's a little tricky. Yeah. You got to have, um, you got to be able to stomach at least a little bit of risk. Um, so yeah. So you pivoted, is this, is this part where you pivot over to full time? Yeah. So that was, so here's what happened. Um, in 20, um, I think it was 2016 was when I got licensed if I'm remembering all the dates correctly. Um, and then after about a year, I said, okay, I want to, I want to do this full time, but I was leaving a W two job for something that was production based. Yeah. If you, if you don't sell, you don't eat. Right. And I got six kids, so uh, they like to eat. Definitely. As does my wife. Right. Um, and it's kind of a recurring thing. It happens several times every day. <laughs> so, um, so I had to come up with a plan that, that kind of bridged the gap there. And so what I did was I spent two years just working as hard as I could. Nights, weekends, I burned basically all my vacation time trying to get the real estate business, real estate sales, um, which really is a business. I mean, you, yeah. you, are, you are in charge of producing, bringing in business. And we just saved that. So I got to the point where I had made one third of my income over the course of three years uh, for three, you know, one third of my income per year for three years. So now I've got yes. one year salary basically Smart set aside. Smart approach, yeah. So, um, and then I made the jump. Um, and I, I, I remember that um, that was 2019, I guess. Um, hold, hold on, let me back up. Let me make sure I understand this correctly. So you side hustled as a quote unquote full-time real estate agent, right? Yeah. While you were doing your full-time job. Yeah. And once you had banked a full year's salary at your full-time job that was kind of like your safety net say okay if i don't sell a house for a whole year yeah we still had the coverage that's right oh, yeah. that's yeah. really really smart josh yeah yeah and actually i got uh, i got my dates wrong so it was 2020 when i finally pulled the plug on the w2 job um so yeah it's actually only been Two years, really. Um, so, two, you know, a little over two years since I pulled the plug on the W two job. And yeah, we had money in the bank. And um, let me ask another that, question: What were your attack vectors? You're like, okay, if I'm going to go full time, I'm quitting my W two. The what are the what were the first two or three places you had to put your efforts? Like, I envision marketing. Yeah, I envision networking. I envision nicer business cards, maybe yeah, like an office, right? right? Yeah. So what were your, yeah. what were your attack vectors? Say? So, um, you're talking about what did I, when I was thinking about, I'm going to go full time, what did I focus on so that I can right, yeah. get there? Um, 
So for me, it was business development, which is um, it's kind of the lingo that I use for marketing. And I tried a bunch of different things uh, in, in the real estate industry. There's there's sort of two. There's at least two kind of schools of thought about how you're going to generate business. One is um, to put yourself out there every place you can. Um, and you know, online, you're buying leads online, you're getting in the newspaper. Um, and I tried a couple different ways to do that. And I really didn't have success with that. Um, you get a lot of interest, but most of those people aren't serious. Um, they're, they're not really ready to buy or sell. They're just kind of tire kickers. Um, yeah. And in fact, some of them, this is one of the things that uh, was difficult for me with my personality was I, I'd be putting marketing out there to get people to make inquiries. And then I'd call them and they were irritated with me for calling them. And yeah. I'm saying, well, but you filled out the form to ask me to call you. And, um, right. you know, I, I just didn't really care for that so much. Now you have to be able to take some rejection. You know, sure. if you're going to be an entrepreneur, you got to be willing to handle rejection. But uh, there's sort of another school of thought that is you should just double down on getting in front of your sphere of influence, the people that know you already and have some level of trust with you already. And you need to demonstrate your competence to them and in front of them so that when they encounter someone who they, and it will, it will happen that they'll encounter someone that's looking to make a move. They'll say, oh, you should talk to Josh. And they've got reasons to tell you to talk to Josh because they've seen how professional you are. They've seen how you've served other friends of theirs. And you just have got to, uh, it's got to be a part of your rhythm every day. Right. You're doing something to reach out to people that you know, not in a salesy way. You're not calling people up and saying, hey, do you want to sell your house? Do you right. want to sell your house? Right. Um, but they are aware that you are taking this seriously. They can observe your professionalism. High level service. And yeah. um, and they're going to remember you because of because of that interaction, whether it was a phone call to check in or a personal note you got or um, seeing you at a networking event or whatever. Um, they're going to remember your name. And that extends to all of your past clients. Once once you're at a place like where, where I am now, where I have a lot of past clients, I consider all of those my sphere of influence as well. When you're first getting started, it's just going to if you are brand new, which was me at the beginning. It's really the people that I know already, probably through some other professional context. Right. And there is kind of um, a uh, critical mass that you're aiming for that's hard to get at, at first because the people that know you and trust you also know that you're new at this. That's true. And they're going <clears> to <throat> be hesitant perhaps to refer you to somebody because their reputation at some point or at some level rather is on the line. Right. If they say, I we should talk you. to Josh. But they know that Josh is brand new and he's done two deals and, you know. That's so sketchy. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah. I, I um, totally get it. So so I decided to double down on kind of that avenue. And that's where I saw my business grow. Now, I feel like it took about 18 months. And some of that, I think, was just longevity. Um, because when I first had my license and I'm telling my buddy, Jim, you know, hey, I got my license. You know, he, he might be polite to me, but the odds of him referring somebody to me if he th if he thinks his reputation is on the line are are not that high i mean he may but he's also worried about am i going to re refer this you know high level relationship i have to josh and then josh is going to drop the ball because he hasn't done this before right but once he sees okay he's starting to rack up rack up transactions and even he's just racking up time in the business and i can see the kind of market reports he's putting out I can see the work he's doing kind of around real estate. Um, that reticence to refer people 
just kind of continually drops off. Um, and S- same thing in the paint business. Yeah. yeah. Same thing. And so, <clears throat> so I feel like there was some aspect of, um, just longevity, just, uh, you know, being willing to stick it out and do those networking things and people saying, Oh, he's taking this really seriously. And I, I would say after about 18 months to two years of being in the business, that's when I really started to see the referrals, um, roll in. And I've continued to experiment with other types of marketing and probably always will. I'm always of course, thinking yeah. about, okay, what's, you know, will this work? Will this newspaper advertisement work? But, but I don't know that I will ever do that at the expense of, networking, staying in touch with my past clients, making sure that they um, are, are served really well and um, and making sure that my, my name doesn't get forgotten. Because it's really easy as a real estate agent. It's a, it's a transactional business by nature, meaning I help you one deal and then you don't need to talk to me until the next deal. Well, what if that's seven years from now? Are you going to remember my name? Almost certainly not. Some people will. Mm-hmm. But statistically, we know that if I don't stay in touch with the past client, they're going to forget about me. Not only they're not going to refer people to me, but when there comes time to sell their home in seven years, they're just they're going to use somebody else. Um, so that relationship nurturing is is really what I doubled down on, and I don't think that's ever going to that's ever going to change. We're just going to continue to see what other stuff might we supplement, you know, in right. terms of marketing. Well. You got to maintain, and I mean, I love that that doubling down phrase you said, doubling down on the on the marketing. Bracken's painting is the same thing. I spend a lot of time at social events, mm-hmm. networking events, like with a chamber or Rotary or or whatever organization I'm involved in, and it's not to get a sale; it's to remind them it's me. Yeah, I'm right here. I certainly hope I'm the first person, and hopefully the only person you think of when somebody says. I need to paint a room. I need to paint my office. I need yeah. to paint my church. So have you called Brackens yet? Yeah. I mean, they're always a little expensive, but you really get what you pay for, and the customer service is high. It's it's where it needs to be um, for what you for how you don't even know how to define your expectations of a painter. Yeah. We can really help set that. I love that. So the difference between a real estate agent and a broker, though, let's break yeah. that down. Yeah. So. Um, I guess I'll just go over a couple of the different terms here. Um, so real estate agent is kind of a generic term that encompasses almost everything. It means you can be someone's agent representing them almost like an attorney, although not like an attorney. Don't say that to an attorney. They get very offended, but you'd be in, you're acting on somebody else's behalf to help them buy or to help them sell. So it's kind of the biggest sort of catch all term. Um, and then within that category, there's two types of licensure. You can be a salesperson or a broker. There's two types of licensure around here. It is different in some states, but pretty much everywhere around here, you're either a salesperson or you're a broker. Salesperson is the first level of licensure. It's the easiest type of license to get. Um, You must work under the supervision of a broker. So every firm around here, whether it's Long & Foster or a Remax office or, or a Toka Properties, there's a broker that supervises the agents. The broker can sell himself. Um, at some of the really big firms, all he does is coach, mentor, um, uh, you know, supervise. Um, the agents. The agents, yeah. Um, so the difference between a salesperson and a broker is essentially the, the level of experience, the level of education, and the, uh, the types of, 
um, licensure exams that he's had to pass. Um, so you got to go, you got to go through more education. You got to pass more difficult exams, and you have to have more experience to become a broker. Um, so I felt like I wanted to go after my broker's license, kind of as a credential thing uh, at first. That was really the main reason because you can actually be a broker also working under another broker. Um, okay. Yeah. So you can. They call that associate broker. Um, so that was actually my initial goal was just, you know what, I, I want to spend the time, the money, and the effort to demonstrate that I'm really serious about this and I'm going to get my broker's license to uh, get that you know, higher level of credentialing. And the, um, the timing worked out such that at the firm that I'm with, the Toka Properties, or was with at the time and still am, um, their broker who managed the West Virginia business she basically raised her hand and said, you know what? Um, I own t want to only sell my own stuff. I don't want to have to have any supervisory um, responsibilities. So would you like to take over the West Virginia business, basically? And, uh, and that's, <coughs> excuse me. that's how I wound up transitioning <coughs> to not only being... <coughs> it's okay, dude. Don't worry. Uh, that's how I wound up transitioning to um, uh, running the Charlestown office here. Basically, was they were the timing just happened to work out right. I was becoming associate broker anyway. Oh, cool! Same level of licensure to become principal broker. Nice. Um, and they just needed somebody to help run this office. Do you have to be a real estate agent for a certain amount of time yes. first? So every state is uh, different, but usually it's two to three years. And there is also an element of subjectivity because. You can't merely have been an agent for two years and you know sold two houses. They want to see someone who is full time, essentially. And yeah, active, active in the industry. That's right, and and um, in it full time, not as a side hustle. So what happens is, when West Virginia, when you're applying for your broker's license, you fill out an application where you basically describe your work experience and who you've worked for, and you have to get all your past brokers to sign it. Um, to sign off that you know you're not making this stuff up, and then it it goes in front of the West Virginia Real Estate Commission. They meet once a month, and they'll discuss these applications, and um, and they'll they can reject you if they feel like you don't have adequate experience, even if you've hit the two year mark. Okay, so, sure. Yeah. So then, why Atoka instead of? Um, I yeah. guess you were already with them, but why Atoka yeah. versus Long and Foster sure. or a yeah. smaller or a bigger version? Yeah, yeah. So let me walk you through. Because um, I've been with two firms. I was actually with somebody before Atoka. When I first got licensed, I was with another little firm that was main, mainly based out of Martinsburg. And um, they were a great place to get started. I live in Charlestown, and I really wanted um, to have like a Charlestown base of operations and a Percival base of operations because my W-2 job at the time was in Percival. So those were two places where I wanted to have a place if I needed to meet a client. And um, they were just very Martinsburg focused. And after I was there two years, um, so I was still side hustling at the time. Um, I was there two years and that end of that second year, I was the top producing agent um, at their office, which was, you know, it's nice to win awards and stuff like sure. that. But I had this thought, um, you know, I really <clears throat> would like to be somewhere where I'm sort of at the bottom of the of the totem pole, as it were, because I was I wanted to keep growing. Right. You know, I I wasn't happy with where I was, 
um, I wanted to double or triple my sales volume. You know, some people want to be the smartest person in the room. Yeah, I'd like to be the dumbest. I'd like to be yeah. the dumbest also. Yeah. Like, if there was a minute, a very short minute, I was like, I think I want to, I want to, I want to really shine. But then I was like, no, no, I want to be surrounded by shiners. Yeah. So I can learn to be. Rub off on me. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I can learn from them. So I, um, I get that. So, so I had sort of those two things driving me to look around and say, okay, I think I want to switch firms. Um, I want to be with people that are doing way better than I am and are, are way more professional than I am and that I can learn a lot from. Um, and I was looking for that geographic connection, somebody with an office, uh, one place in, in Percival and, and or Charlestown. So I interviewed a, a handful of different places and um, I wound up with Atoka, which is what I would call a midsize, maybe small to midsize firm. They describe themselves as a boutique firm. Okay. Um, and what that means is, from my perspective, is you are going to be able to get some attention from the partners and the senior leadership there that you would not necessarily be able to get if you go to a place that has you know thousands of agents. You know, you just—it's much easier to get lost in the crowd sure. when you're at a really big firm. Now, that's not to say that um, there aren't people doing great at really big firms, but I felt like what I wanted was a little bit smaller. I could really get to know. I mean, I, it's small enough that you can know the names of everybody that works there. And um, that's pretty cool. And you can potentially get attention from the partners, you know, and I've, I've been able to get that where I would meet with the partners when I, when I needed it and they give me feedback as I'm working on growing my business. Um, so, um, I mean, my thought is that's, that's generally the way to go is to go with a small to mid-sized firm where you can get some attention. Uh, the really big ones, I mean, what they will try to do is uh, divide and conquer, you know, um, so they got 5,000 agents, but at this office we have 500 and then we're going to have some people that are in management that are going to help with coaching. But, um, <coughs> it can be tough, um, to really, to actually get attention from those people. Cause often those people that are in management, they're also selling themselves and, um, they, they, to survive, they got to sell. Right. So, Getting their attention when you need it can be tough. Um, uh, but with a yeah. smaller one, you could you can get guidance. Yeah, from, from the partners at the top. And, and from people who mm-hmm. inside your network, I mean, because yeah. it's a smaller network. Yeah. Yeah, you build – I feel like you build closer friendships that way. Um, you know, I just talked last week with a friend of mine. He, he was one of the ones that kind of helped recruit me to, um, to Atoka. His name is Ryan Clegg. He works out of their Leesburg office. And they've done a – he's – He's done fantastic business in um, the Loudoun area, uh, especially Leesburg and Ashburn out there. Um, and um, so many houses in Ashburn. Yeah, it's hard. To, yeah, yeah, it's hard. I mean, well, I've we're done, about the same age, right? And yeah. you grew up in Fairfax. I did. What yeah. high school? Uh, Woodson. Woodson, right yeah. on. I went yeah. to O'Connell. And at our age range, back in the high school years. We weren't trying to drive out by Dulles. Reston was too far away. Yes. It's like remember, it was a sticks, right? Yeah, I remember as a kid, actually what I remember in Fairfax was hearing a friend of mine that moved to Loudoun and thinking, man, that is that's way the out farms, there. farms, yeah. man. Yeah, there's, that's no right. there's nothing out there. And then I heard about somebody else that lived in West Virginia. And I was like, oh, what is that like? You got to drive all day or something to get there? Yeah. <laughs> Being from Arlington, like I was close to the Pentagon. If we had to go to Dulles Airport... Buddy, that was that was a real inconvenience. Yeah, and the hilarity of how big Ashburn became is is amazing. I've I've put yeah. some of my paint business in Ashburn, and there's 
I'd say millions of homes. I don't know the number, but there's a lot. Yeah. So to, uh, to be a realtor that does well there is that's killer. Yeah. yeah. So he was doing at the time, um, I think like twenty to thirty million a year, and um, that's that's a fantastic number. You know, you don't have, you don't have to know kind of the context other than well, that's a great number, and. Um, I had just done that year, like, I don't know, I think I had done five or between five and seven million or something. And I, I really wanted to, to hang around with people that were doing three times what I was doing. Absolutely. Um, so I could learn, how are you doing that? You know? Right. Um, so that's, that's how I made the transition to a token. And I really haven't looked back. I really feel like it's been, it's been great. I helped them. So they had the Percival office when I went there, I helped them open the Charlestown office. That was something we, we went in, you know, talking about, well, you live in Charlestown. It makes sense to open an office there. And um, yeah, they've they've been great. Um, and then you have realtors, I'm sorry, real estate agents, agents. who mm -hmm. work underneath you. That's right. Yeah. So out of the Charlestown office, we've got um, about, I want to say we've got 12 names on the wall right now. Um, so Are they all full-time or some part-time? So I would say um, six of them are full-time and... Um, I would say about two thirds of them actually. So probably about eight of them I would say are full time. Great. Um, yeah. So, and then in the other office? Yeah. And then in, so overall we've got about 90 agents. 90. Yeah. yeah. So Otoka Properties has about 90 agents oh. and they have five locations. Okay. So I, I handle the Charlestown, West Virginia side of things. I'm also their Maryland broker. We don't have a Maryland location, but because of our proximity, Makes we sense. felt like it, it made sense to um, be able to serve people there. And we do. You know, th there's people that are going back and forth. Uh, Brunswick is only 30 minutes from here. So when you said 90 agents, I thought under like the Beal team, 90 yeah, agents. Yeah. But you're saying the whole Atoka, so that really is boutique. Yeah, and you really could yeah. catch attention there. That's great. Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned the Beal team. So the way that we work. So I'm I'm principal broker for Atoka Properties in West Virginia and Maryland, which means I supervise any business in those jurisdictions. But um, I do have to sell myself too, and. Um, I have a team that I work with. There's three of us. So we're sort of like a micro business inside the Atoka, if you want to call it the Atoka platform sure. or the Atoka, you know, mothership, whatever. Sure, yeah. Um, and um, we uh, we did 66 transactions last year. So we, we had a really healthy year last year. Um, looks like we're on track to do the same this year, although it is a changing market for sure. Um, definitely things are taking longer to sell. Um uh, and we'll we'll have to see how things how the last quarter uh, turns out. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> so let's let's uh, let's. I see the final thing I want to talk about is um, why why contact Atoka or the Beal team. Um, sure. And then when is a good time for somebody who's either looking to buy or I mean looking to buy I feel like is far more urgent than looking to sell. Yeah. Because when you're looking to sell, you got to get your house ready to sell. Um, and then I guess when you're trying to buy in an area, how and why should they contact you and yeah. your team? Yep. So um, we actually went through an exercise recently where we, uh, as a team, kind of discussed, well, who who are the people that are the best fit for, our to work, for us to work with? You know, um, it, it has to be a two-way street where we're good for you, you're good for us, we're both winning um, in this relationship. And the people that we serve the best and that get the most benefit from us are those that um, they, they're they looking for a trusted professional that's really good at negotiation, 
that really knows the local area and can help them if you're on the sales side, you know, how can we do the best marketing to get the most possible out of our property? Um, and we, we have a great track record of extracting that last dollar. Nice. You know? um, but it, it works when we have people who trust us and trust our advice. Um, it's when you're hiring a real estate agent, you should kind of think of it like I'm hiring a marketing company for this little micro business that is the sale of my house. Right. And um, there's all sorts of different checkpoints along the way where you can turn the dial a little bit, you know, from what we call pre-marketing, right. trying to spin, spin up some, some interest before it even goes in the market, trying to compress the, um, the showings into a shorter time frame so there's a little bit more urgency, competition among buyers. The at the negotiation phrase, how do you know when to push uh, for more? How do you know when you know, you've gotten as much as you can uh, and it's time to get it ratified? So all of those kinds of coaching people through all of those kinds of decisions, that's what we do best. And that's why, uh, you know, that's why we feel like we're the ones to call if that's the kind of service you're looking for. Now, we're not the best fit for everybody because there is kind of a second track for uh, real estate agents, which is we're going to do everything as cheap as possible and we're going to do a, as much volume as we can. And so we can't necessarily help you, Mr. Seller, beyond a couple, you know, fill out this form letter and check these boxes and that's what's going on and uh, into, into the um, online marketing system based right. on what you've, you've provided us. And we're going to be dirt cheap, but we got to deal with uh, 100 clients at a time because that's the only way for us to have any margin. Make less of so, more. Yeah. So there are some people that that's really what they're looking for is just how can I do this as cheaply as possible? We firmly believe that you're better off hiring a professional and your bottom line, not only are you happier with the outcome, but your bottom line is actually better, better because you're getting better negotiation and better marketing. So those are the clients that we're looking for is the ones that can see that we're professionals, trust our advice, and then we can help them get the best possible outcome on the sales side. So that's on the sales side. And the buy side is actually fairly similar. Um, only, you know, now we're negotiating. We're trying to see through what marketing is out there to what is the best opportunity for you and also how can we negotiate the best possible deal for, deal for you. And there's multiple, when you're negotiating on a purchase, there's sometimes there's multiple times when you have the opportunity to try and change, change the terms a little bit to make it uh, more advantageous for your client as the buyer. Sure, I get that. Um, and the off-market stuff, we have, um, it's good to be connected with someone who really knows what's happening in the area, who can potentially connect you with an off-market deal if you're a buyer. We've done that from time to time. It's certainly true that most of the residential deals are happening on market, but it's absolutely true that off-market stuff happens. And um, we, every year we do a handful of those where um, we've heard somebody say that they're interested in selling and we have a buyer and we introduce them to the buyer and, um, and sometimes we can make a deal work. So you yeah. had a, you had a third question that I missed. Um, it's very possible. I'm scattered most of the time. The, um, <clears throat> it was, it was how, how do we contact you? What's, oh. what's the website? Yeah. Uh, bealteam.com, which is, uh, spelled B as in boy, E A L L team.com. Or the easiest way is really just to call or text me on my phone. 703-975-2046. Oh, that's pretty good. Um, so I wanted to tell you, and we'll, we'll plug that again at the very end of the podcast, but I wanted to tell you how, or I wanted to pick your brain on how I help realtors. Okay. So 
there's numerous realtors in the area that can call on me at home inspection. Mm-hmm. Um, my job as Kevin Brackens with Brackens Painting is basically to get there and get prices provided for people. It used to be that we were so busy and I didn't have quite quite the right systems. It would take me between three and seven days to get quotes to people. Whether they've just bought the house, they just closed in the house, or they're thinking about selling the house. It took me forever. And now developed a system where I can show up, whether it's at here, I'll, I'll paint the picture. So you have a client who's from out of town. They're moving to Charlestown. You've looked at the MLS. You see something that fits their price range and the amount of bedrooms and the location that's ideal for them. But somebody painted it like numerous yeah. bad colors. And you're like, yo, they didn't paint it before they put it on the market, which means they don't have the budget to paint it, which means we can come in there, but we need to know what the budget is. Yeah. And by the way, yeah. those are the opportunities for buyers to negotiate a deal. Totally. Because a lot of people can't see past those kinds of problems. But if you can as a buyer, you're you're a rare breed. So, right. Yeah. So, And maybe they're rare because they haven't been educated. So tell me if I'm wrong here. You could tell the buyer, say, hey, look, we're going to go tour this place and we've got a certain amount of time to be in there and it's whatever. It's, do you want me to invite the painter? I've got a painter that can come and he'll give you a price on the day of. I can I can turn that, that price around in about 10 to 15 minutes. Yeah. I go in there with lasers. I measure every room for square footage. If they want to ask me questions or if they want me to ask them the questions, I say, you know, the ceilings look good. I don't need to paint ceilings, yeah. so I won't include that in the price. And the trim looks good, but these colors are terrible. Do you want me to provide a price just to change the colors in each room? Yeah. And they'll say, yeah, because they're not locking in. They yeah. don't even know if they're buying it yet. Right. Yeah. I actually had the bandwidth to visit people on first visits. If you, Josh, determine, hey, they're pretty serious. They yeah. need a house. Yeah, they yeah. got to be here in the next whatever amount of time. Do you want to come in here? Because they, I can say, hey, it's 6500 bucks to paint this house. They don't have to hire me. They can hire Joe Snuffy working yeah. out of the back of a Honda <laughs> a Honda Accord, which is fine because they're half my price. But the odds of them hiring me if they bought that house are way higher. Yeah, because they have to commit no more phone calls, and they took the sixty five hundred dollar quote from a legitimate well known painter as their counter. Right? Say, hey, well, look, yeah, we want to knock this much off because we know we yeah. need to do this. Is, is, does that make sense to you? Yes. Yeah, so that could work. Um, I, I don't really see any downside for the buyer. That seems like a pretty, you know, a good piece of data for them to walk into the situation with. Um, you would need to think about how you make sure you protect your time. I mean, I'm often working with buyers that are, we're going to look at eight houses today. You know, are you going to want to go to all eight? Probably not. So Probably we, just we, the ones yeah. that need repainting, one. Yeah. Two, they can take okay, hey, look, this house is similar to the last house we looked at. And Bracken said he'd be yeah. 6500 bucks to paint that one. So this would probably be, yeah. And we're getting more serious. I'm pretty sure, because I've done this, I've scheduled a second walkthrough. Mm-hmm. Things weren't as competitive as they are now. Yeah. Or I'm able to get in during home inspection. Because if you're deep enough in home inspection, yeah. yeah, I can be there, bro. I can get there. That's even better than the initial walkthrough. If they're that committed in home inspection, that means they're getting ready to negotiate again, most likely, right? Yeah. Or maybe in the first negotiation. Yep. And if Could you be. had a trust, here's the thing: it's about the trusted contractor, not Joe Snuffy, not 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 the shade tree guy that's going to take six weeks to paint the house. The guy's going to take yeah. four days, five days to paint the house with licensed up company with 
letters on their vehicles yeah. looking legit. I feel like that provides a more full service system from the realtor with no skin off their back. Because if I screw somebody over, you're going to call me and say, Kevin, what <laughs> happened to the Smith's house? I'm yeah. like, yo, it was incorrigible. I had to get out of there. It's no reflection on you at all. It's, I mean, we didn't even charge them. Or, yeah. or it's a situation where somebody's complaining, we're here to make things right. Yeah. And that's different. And you're not partnered up, but your reputation is partnered up. Does that make yeah. sense? Yep. Yeah. It's accountability both ways. Same way if I send you clients, I'm like, yeah, Josh handed me off to another realtor or another real estate agent, and they, they take forever to get back to me. I got to find somebody else. I'll be like, text Josh. Yeah, what is going on? Here's some feedback, bro. Are you tracking on this? And you'd be like, I did not know that. Let me square that up real quick. Yeah. That accountability on both ends, that's how I like to work with realtors. I like to improve the image of the full service that they're bringing to the table. Yeah. And because I'm low impact, no demo pricing scenario, Yeah. I can and I can price almost any house in 10 minutes. Almost any house. I mean, I'm, measurements. So I'm in and I'm out. So... <laughs> I want to let you know about that. And I, I like to get real, real estate agents ideas of why do, why am I not being taken advantage of more in that scenario? Yeah, I think it's probably just, well, some of it could be awareness, you know, um, you know, it's good to hear that you're willing to do that and interested in doing that. Um, two, it could be the level of commitment that the buyer has at the moment you're scheduling the appointment. Sure. So if they are, in, in my example earlier, if we're looking at eight houses in a day, you know that at most they're buying one of them. Um, and, and we don't really know which one that is. Um, so I think if we, um, uh, if we have, you're, we're more likely to be able to get somebody taking you up on that if they are really interested in a property. And especially if they look at the pictures and they're like, you know what, we really like to get it repainted. As a, as a general rule, if it hasn't been painted, it probably needs to be painted. In other words, if it if it wasn't painted to go on the market, if it right. doesn't have fresh paint in it, odds are it needs to be painted. Um, and that is a great time to be getting a, a price on it when, especially if you can uh, if you can schedule it so that the painting is happening before you move your stuff in. Right. You know. Um, and, and sometimes we're able to accommodate it. And in, in today's worker shortage, we're blessed to have four four crews yeah. to call on, but. Before COVID, we pivoted like that, man, one yeah. after another. We could we we could be in there. If you closed at noon, we might take the keys at noon. Like we yeah. we literally would be at the house when you're rolling up to do your your right after closing walkthrough and my the paint's coming off, off the truck that we've done that before for people, or it's traditionally the next day. Yeah. Um now it's a little harder. It's a little harder now, but we're fortunate that our reputation has us stacked up so deep. And as I'm kind of recession-proofing Bracken's painting, I'm moving mm -hmm. more of my business into the Loudon area, mm -hmm. more of my marketing there because they won't stop spending money there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And then I'm also pivoting more into commercial and industrial painting up and down the 81 corridor, mm -hmm. yeah. which means they still, at this time, still have budgets to maintain their facilities. So that's how I'm protecting myself. But the staffing that I have is going towards those. Yeah. So we haven't we haven't seen as much success as before when it comes to getting it painted before you move in. But if they're willing to understand, we have no problem working around your furniture. It, it's actually not any more expensive for us to work around furniture versus no furniture. We don't change our price based on 
that's something as, okay. as, as small yeah. as what we see that. So we're able to do it. We're able to help people out a lot of times. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. And I think that ideally it'd be doing home inspection. It's just as simple as scheduling with us. We'll be there. It's me. I'll show up. Josh, well, as you work that out, yeah. let's go uh, Let's go one more time on how to contact you and, and why yep. you're the right team to be sure. contacting. Yeah. So we're the right team for you to contact if you're looking for professionals that will give you the best negotiation and the best outcome, uh, which for sellers that means selling for the most possible price, the highest possible price with the least possible stress, and uh, and the best advocates for you during the transaction. Um, and for buyers, it means finding the right house with the least possible stress and negotiating the best possible price. Um, if that's what you're looking for, then we're your people. Um, we're your guys to contact. And the best way to get in touch with me is on my cell phone. You can call or text me, 703-975-2046. Or you can uh, check me out on my website, bealteam.com. That's B as in boy, E-A-L-L, team.com. And then one more thing. What region? So from Percival yep. to Martinsburg? Yeah. Or? So um, we basically cover, yes, Percival to Martinsburg. That's kind of uh, our bread and butter area. And Coming through Berryville too? Yep. We okay. actually just closed, helped somebody close a deal in Berryville. Um, Winchester? Yeah. So we've done some in Winchester. Um, yeah. Winchester is kind of right at the right at the edge. So Winchester is a big area. No if doubt. You look at the Winchester. They have multiple zip codes. And there are parts of Winchester that are just a little too far for us to serve effectively on the on the very far side um yeah so if you drew a circle around Percival, winchester martinsburg charlestown's kind of in the middle um we could go to some areas of leesburg too um charlestown's kind of the center gotcha. you know, it's sort of our heart it's our heartland if you want to call yeah, it that's that. totally fun. And, uh, yeah awesome josh well thanks a lot i appreciate you being on the podcast We've, we we worked some things out there i appreciate it all right great to be here Today's conversation was brought to you by Bracken's Painting. You can find information about Bracken's Painting at www.brackenspainting.com for all of your residential and commercial painting needs. Give Bracken's a call.